Welcome to Finding Freedom with Inspire Wellness. I'm Gemma, a body image and food freedom coach, anti-diet advocate, and your ultimate hype girl. I'm here to empower you with inspiration, education, and motivation so that you can start living as your happiest and healthiest self, whatever that means to you. I spent years struggling with food, my body, and my mental health until I finally found freedom. Now I'm on a mission to make sure that nobody goes through what I did and to burn diet culture to the ground while I'm at it. I'm obsessed with helping women to ditch the diets, love their bodies, feel confident AF, create sustainable habits, improve their mindset and become their next level selves. So what are we waiting for? Let's do this. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is when you're listening to this. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom with Inspire Wellness. So today we are going to be talking about something I am very passionate about, very passionate about. So screw COVID, screw the flu, diet culture is the virus that I think we need to be focusing on that's ruining lives and it's harming millions of people. And I really don't think that's an exaggeration because Diet culture normalizes so many disordered behaviors. And once you're out of it, you can't unsee it. And it is wild, absolutely wild. And I feel like all these things have just been thrown at me recently and I keep seeing everything. So I wanted to come on and talk about it. So I want to quick fire some of the things that I've noticed, whether that's from my own life or things that I see online, so that we can stop normalizing them and start calling them out when we see them or maybe even stop doing them ourselves because I mean, I've done, I would say probably all of these things and maybe you guys have too, or maybe you're still doing them. So let's talk about it. And I just want to give a quick little warning at the start of this episode. I might get a little bit ranty on this one because like I said, this gets me really, really fired up. Okay, let's dive in. So the first thing that we need to stop normalizing is being proud of not eating. Like, This is, I see this all of the time, people sharing this on socials or in real life conversations with people like, oh my God, I haven't even eaten yet today and it's 3 p.m. Or this is the first meal of the day for me at some ungodly late hour. I'm like, oh, I've just been busy and I just forgot to eat. Not eating is not something to be proud of. This isn't something that's like, yay, exciting. Oh my gosh, how amazing. It's not, it's not information that needs to be shared or needs to be known. If you were busy and forgot to eat, just eat. You don't need to announce it to the world because there's always this undercurrent of gross pride in it when people are sharing that. And it often prompts those comments from the people you're saying it to like, oh my God, wow, I wish I could forget to eat or hey, wouldn't it be great if that happened every day? Like, no, no, it wouldn't because you need food to function and to live. So let's just stop acting like not eating is a good thing. It's wild. Like once you're actually out of diet culture and you see this and it's like, why are we praising this? Why are we excited about this? Why do we feel like this is a positive thing to share? And I've also seen something else kind of similar on Instagram a few times recently, which just takes it to a whole other level. And it really grinds my gears. So one day someone will post about how they've been depressed or anxious or sick or something like that, and that they haven't been able to eat for days because of it. And then a few days later, they're sharing pictures of their body celebrating themselves for their progress, aka how much weight they've lost. And that's often accompanied by like how proud they are of how hard they've worked. 
um, um, <laughs> this is so freaking disordered that I can't even deal with it. Like I remember when I was in my disordered days and I would actually want to get sick enough to lose my appetite so that I could lose weight. That is not healthy behavior. It is not healthy behavior to be sick, whether that's physically or like mentally having bad mental health days and then not eat and then to lose weight because of that. That's not a good thing. That's not something you should be celebrating. It's like this. And I don't even know whether the people who I've seen do this realize that like this connection between sharing something like that. And then a couple of days sharing that they're proud of the weight they lost. Like, I don't know, because I know, I I think when it was me, like when I was back in that day, maybe I wouldn't have even noticed or realized. I just would have been like, Oh my God. Yes. It's because I worked so hard. Yay me. I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's a bit of cognitive dissonance there maybe. And like, I'm not mad at the individuals doing this. I just want to say that I'm not mad at them at all. I'm worried about them. I'm mad at the system that praises weight loss above all else and makes people feel like this is a good thing to promote and to share and to normalize. Okay. I told you I'd get ranty. I'm ranty on the very first thing. All right. Thing we need to stop normalizing. Number two is talking about diets. Now I'm saying it, I'm calling it. Many diets are disordered. Dieting is incredibly likely to result in a disordered relationship with food. It's not that often that someone can just diet and have it solely be a wonderful and joyful experience with nothing problematic or harming them in a physical or psychological way. So if you want to go on a diet, like whatever, that's on you. I believe in body autonomy. So if you want to diet, go ahead. That is absolutely fine. But don't share it with other people. Don't talk about it at the office or with your friends or with strangers at the Coles checkout or on your Instagram stories. Don't be posting photos of your meal replacement shakes. Don't be opening your packed low-carb, low-calorie meal in the break room and feeling the need to tell your co-workers all about your new meal plan and how you're trying to lose a few kilos before bikini season. Don't be telling your friends over brunch that you're just not eating the sourdough that came with your avo on toast because you saw an influencer say that carbs are the devil and you're just feeling super inflamed right now and need to reduce your toxins. Oh my God, sorry. Can you tell that I hate that language so much? It makes me vomit. Like be on your diet if that's what you want, but shut up about it. (laughs) I'm sorry, but shut up about it. Don't talk about it. Stop involving other people in your disordered behaviors and making them feel like they should do it too, because that's what it is. We are influenced by the people around us. And if everyone is talking about dieting, even if you have recognized that dieting is not helpful for you or in general, it's still really easy to get pressured to feel like you should be doing it too. So that's what the problem is. I know some people will probably be like, yeah, but I should be able to talk about things in my life and not have it influence everyone else. But that's just, it's not the case. Like, I'm sorry, but that's not how humans work. We do feel the pressure from other people. We do get influenced by the people around us. And if everyone's talking about dieting, it spreads dieting. That's what happens. That's why I'm so passionate about people talking about ditching diet culture and sharing about the work they're doing on body acceptance or healing their relationship with food. Because the more people that are talking about that, the more people are going to get influenced to want to do it as well. Thing we need to stop normalizing. Number three is ignoring our body's cues. So let me just run you through some examples of how this shows up. It's things like, you're not hungry. You're just thirsty. Drink a glass of water before eating. Or I can't be hungry yet. I only had my snack two hours ago. I'll have to hold out until lunch in an hour. Or you're hungry? Eat an apple. If that doesn't satisfy you, then you're not actually hungry. 
You can't eat after 8 p.m., even if you're hungry before bed. Oh, I'm full, but if I don't finish this meal, then I won't hit my macros. Or when you're hungry, just go for a walk or paint your nails or drink four liters of water instead. Okay, I'll stop with the examples, but Jesus Christ, there are so many of them. So here's a revolutionary tip for you. If you're hungry, eat. If your body is sending you those hunger signals, even if you ate an hour ago, even if you've got no calories left for the day, even if you have dinner plans in an hour, eat. Just eat. This idea that we should listen to arbitrary rules around meal timings or certain amounts of food or whatever is stupid. You're not a robot. You won't have exactly the same needs every single day. Some days you'll need more food. Some days you'll need less food. Some days you'll be hungry at different times than normal. Some days you'll need different types of food to satisfy you. All of this is fine and normal and good. And denying these needs starts to inch us into that disordered territory. And it makes me so mad that the normal thing to do is to try and fight our bodies and go against what they're calling out for instead of just giving them what they need. Because diet culture tells us to. Your body is really fucking smart. Learn to tune into it. Learn to listen to it, which might actually take some effort if you've been denying its cues for years through dieting. And your relationship with food is going to get a whole lot easier. All right. Things we need to stop normalizing. Number four, acting like having willpower around food is the gold standard. So having willpower around food is seen as such a desirable quality. It's like it's normal to wish that we had more of it and to admire the people in your life who could say no to a chocolate bicky when it's offered to them and to groan, oh, I wish I could do that when someone only eats half their plate of food at a restaurant because they're on a diet. This is one of the biggest things that people tell me when I ask what they need to improve their relationship with food. Willpower. That's the answer so, so many times. And every single time it makes me like, no, but I get why they say it because that's what we're told we need. That's the goal that's been normalized. Have more willpower or self-control around food so that you can stop eating so much or stop eating the foods that are tempting you that you quote unquote shouldn't be eating. If you want more willpower because you think that it's going to help you be in control of food or to stop binging or overeating, I'm here to tell you that it will not work. It won't work. I'm sorry, but it won't work because if you try and resist food, like telling yourself that you just need to be stronger or whatever it is, your brain's going to fight back because it's trying to protect you. It's trying to take care of you. So what happens is we get into this really vicious cycle, which starts out that you restrict, you have more willpower, you are stricter with yourself and your brain sees that food is being taken away. So what it does is it increases your motivation and desire to find more of it. So like, that's like cravings, basically increasing that motivation, that desire to get more. It makes you think about food more. It makes you want food more. And it's also going to really ramp up, like looking for those more calorie dense foods because your brain wants energy. It needs energy to function. And what is a calorie? A unit of energy. So it's going to be seeking those more energy dense foods. An apple is not energy dense. A broccoli stalk stem, a whole broccoli is not energy dense. Whereas like McDonald's, energy dense. Big bowl of cheesy pasta, energy dense. Pizza, energy dense. So it's going to be looking more for those foods. That's why like when you go on a diet, you're not starting to crave like lettuce. You're craving chippies, for example. 
And then if we keep going, if we keep sort of restricting, your body's going to slow your metabolism to store what you do eat. Because your brain's like, she's taken away food. She's never going to give it back to us. Your brain's a bit of a drama queen, basically. So it's going to start slowing that metabolism to store what you do eat in case you don't give it any more food. And then your cravings are going to ramp up even further, even further. It's going to get to that stage where you're like, I can't resist them. I have no willpower left. So you give in. And you, you know, binge, you overeat, whatever it is. And then, of course, you feel like shit about yourself. So you restrict again. You're like, oh, my God, no, today's the day. I'm back. It's Monday, back on the diet, back on the bandwagon. We're going to restrict. Although we probably don't say we're going to restrict because everyone's realized restrict is a bad word. I'm going to have more willpower. And then the cycle starts again. And you go through it over and over and over and over and over. Focusing on willpower is just more likely to perpetuate this cycle and keep you binging or overeating or feeling out of control around food. So we need to remove that willpower, remove that first step and the whole cycle can't happen. So how about we see this focus on willpower for what it actually is? Restriction. And what is restriction, everybody? Say it with me. It's disordered. Thing we need to stop normalizing, number five, is avoiding entire food groups for health. And I actually saw someone sharing about this, one of my followers, who I think listens to the podcast, sharing about this on threads last night. Also, side note, is everyone loving threads? I'm having fun with threads. Although I'm recording this a couple of weeks early. So when this episode comes out, who knows? Threads might have died by now. Anyway, off the topic. But someone posted a thread saying like, what's a diet culture behavior that you thought was totally normal and you did, you know, and now you look back and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And one person said, going gluten-free when I'm not celiac and I'm not gluten intolerant. Like, what was I thinking? And I was like, girl, I feel you. I feel you. So that's one of the things I want to talk about today. We need to stop normalizing this. And I'm so glad this person has realized that's not normal. Because if you're not gluten intolerant or celiac, you don't need to avoid gluten. If you're not intolerant to dairy, you don't need to avoid dairy. If you're not a child with epilepsy, You don't need to go on the keto diet and avoid carbohydrates. If there is no medical reason for you to avoid those things, you don't need to. And yet it's become so normalized for anyone who says they care about their health to be gluten-free, dairy-free, low-carb, blah, 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 bullshit. It's restrictive. It can be disordered. It is wildly unnecessary and it just promotes restrictive eating. So celiac disease affects approximately one in 70 Australians, but approximately 12% of the population is on a gluten-free diet. And many of those are for the health benefits. Now, guys, I don't know if you can do maths today, but one in 70 versus 12%, we've got a bit of a mismatch here. And the thing is, these people who do it for health benefits, and I'm not, obviously, I'm not talking about the celiac people here. I'm not talking about people who are actually gluten intolerant, actually gluten intolerant, because There's a wild mismatch between people who say they're gluten intolerant and people who are not and who are just under this health umbrella. But anyway, anyway, the the people who are on it for their health benefits, it has been scientifically proven multiple times that the gluten-free diet does not provide health benefits for people who aren't intolerant or aren't allergic to gluten. In fact, it's more likely to result in nutritional deficiencies in things like alimentary fiber, Vitamin D, vitamin B12, folate, iron, zinc, magnesium, and calcium. But that doesn't stop all of these health influencers or whoever going on about how you have to be gluten-free or you see all those healthy cafes proudly proclaiming that all their food is gluten-free. Yes, 
Wonderful for people with celiac to have more accessible food choices. Love that. Brilliant. But it needs to stop being tied to health. And it's not just gluten. It's anything or anyone says that you need to avoid an entire food group. Like that's just one of the examples. It's just an easy example to use. Thing we need to stop normalizing. Number six is engaging in compensatory behaviors. This has got to be, I think, probably from this whole list, from everything I could think of, one of the most normalized one. And it annoys me to no end, as all this stuff annoys me, as you can tell. So this practice is where you feel like you have to make up for the foods you eat, whether that's by exercising before or after them or changing the way you eat before or after them. And I think it's, like I said, I think it's one of the most common ones on this list. And I bet that you've done it before because I know I have, but it's also one of the most sneakily dangerous ones. So I've heard it perpetuated at the gym before where instructors are going to be like, let's burn off those Christmas calories. Or, you know, someone comes into a Monday morning class talking about how they had a big weekend. So they need to make up for it by hitting the gym and people (coughs) pass me (coughs) will share selfies on their Instagram stories, like deadlifts fueled by the entire pizza I ate last night. Oops. Like I've got vivid memories of being away for a weekend with a friend and we went to a chocolate factory and we ate waffles. Oh my God. So good. Side note, go to Anvers if you're ever in Northern Tasmania. And then as soon as we got back to this accommodation after my waffles, I went for a run to make those calories count. And I also remember being really shocked because I ran further than I ever had before, which shouldn't have surprised me because it is fascinating what your body can do when you've actually provided it with food and energy. But that's a whole other story. But the most common way this shows up though, is with people changing their eating habits. So you've probably met a friend for dinner before and had her say, oh, I didn't eat lunch today so that I could save up and enjoy myself tonight. Or you've probably enjoyed a burger and chippies and thought, "Mm, tomorrow I'm only eating salad. It's where you save up your calories or you compensate for eating quote unquote bad foods with quote unquote good foods or less food or no food afterwards. And this is such disordered behavior. Yet almost everyone does it at some point in their lives. Many people do it their entire lives and we all share, we all talk about it. And that just makes it seem normal and like it's not an issue at all, but it is particularly when this gets taken to, you know, the extremes. I don't know if everyone's aware. So when we talk about bulimia, for example, we think of bulimia as throwing up from food. That's, that's a compensatory behavior. Not the one I'm talking here. Cause I don't believe that's normalized, but you can have bulimia and I'm mental blanking on the actual term for it, but it's bulimia related with exercise. So you can have where your compensatory behavior is not vomiting. It's going and exercising like a lot or to a certain extent. There's obviously, I'm not a psychologist. I do not diagnose eating disorders. So I can't give you the exact criteria off the top of my head, but I remember when I got diagnosed with my eating disorder and talking to my psychologist about it. And she was like, yep, you are on the borderline with the the exercise compensation behaviors to do with it. So she was like, watch out for that. So that's the thing too. This can actually not just be like disordered territory where we're like creeping towards it, but actual eating disorder territory. So anyway, basically, like I said, we're all doing, or not all of us, some of us have moved past it. Hopefully you've all moved past it and hopefully you're all listening to it going, I don't do that. But, you know, I think everyone's done this at some point in their life and it is so many people are still doing it and they're still talking about it. They're still making it seem normal. And that's the biggest problem with everything. 
that I've mentioned today. When people are sharing openly that they're doing these things, it makes it seem normal. It makes it seem like it's okay. It makes it seem like we should all be doing it. And that is simply not the case. That's why disordered eating is so widespread. Issues with food are so widespread and body image issues are so widespread because we've made them the norm. Well, I'm here to shake things up and say, this should not be the norm. And I'm not standing for it anymore. So if you're someone who does these things, I want you to take this as your sign to do some self-reflection and stop doing them. Make it a priority to phase these subjects out of your vocabulary. Stop talking about them in a positive light. And if you don't do them, but the people around you do, speak up, educate people, share why this isn't okay. Make them understand that it's not something we should be promoting and you could change their lives. And then by extension, everyone's around them. Now, if you've enjoyed today's podcast or the podcast in general, I would love it if you could leave me a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps us spread this message even more because the podcast is going to be seen by even more people. And then we're one step closer to burning diet culture to the ground. Hell yeah. Amazing. I hope that was helpful, guys. I hope that made you think. I hope you're ready to get out there and just stop normalizing disorder behaviors because I know I am. I'm fired up, ready to go. I'll see you next week.